Chapter 9, Dual Process Reasoning. Case of the day. A case. Chazen was a second-year emergency medicine resident. Faculty members frequently remarked that he was one of the most efficient members of his class, able to handle a higher patient volume, seeing his patients through to a timely disposition. He often saw patients with common, straightforward presentations, such as typical chest pain or viral upper respiratory infections, and had the correct workup started, and the patient teed up for the attending before they had even seen the patient. However, faculty members had also noted that Jason struggled when patients presented atypically, or when they presented with multiple complaints. In those cases, he tended to shotgun a bunch of tests without giving much thought about his differential diagnosis. The residency leadership was also concerned because he scored well below his classmates on the prior year's in-training exam. The residency leadership wanted to intervene to bring Jason up to the right standard, but were struggling to identify the flaw in his reasoning abilities, particularly because he seemed to excel so well in some areas and lag behind in others. Question for the reader. Why is Jason having trouble with atypical cases? Overview. Overview. Dual process reasoning is a theory which has evolved over the past century, dating back to Sigmund Freud, who suggested that reasoning involved two separate systems for information processing, one unconscious and associative, the other rational and conscious. The current framework for this system, described by Stanovich and West, identifies two systems of thinking, which individuals alternate between depending on their own pre-existing framework and characteristics. System 1 is automatic and unconscious and relies heavily on contextual clues. System 2, on the other hand, is conscious and analytical and is used independent of the context. It is proposed that an individual's cognitive abilities are dependent on the degree to which they employ each of the two systems. This results in two types of intelligence. Interactional intelligence, System 1, and analytical intelligence, System 2. It was proposed that individuals with higher cognitive abilities employ more System 2 thinking, i.e. they're able to rely more on their analytic abilities and less on heuristics available in System 1. Some believe that each of these two systems evolved to serve a different evolutionary purpose, System 1 evolved to serve the process of reproduction and gene propagation, while System 2 evolved to serve the interests of the whole person. Here's some background. The distinction between intuitive and analytical thinking was first described by the Greek philosophers. The ancients believed that the intuitive thought process was, actually, a superior state of mind. However, in the early 20th century, French philosophers described the intuitive thought process as unconscious, highly subjective to bias, and sometimes irrational. The dual process theory is one of many approaches towards decision-making. However, the dual process theory is highly regarded, and two Nobel Prizes have been awarded for the scientific work regarding human decision-making, Herbert Simon in 1978 and Daniel Kahneman in 2002. In 2009, Pat Crosscary published a manuscript in Advances in Health Science Education entitled Clinical Cognition and Diagnostic Error, Applications of a Dual Process Model of Reasoning. This manuscript describes the application of the dual process model in clinical practice. 
Dual process theory has informed models of clinical reasoning that are generally accepted in the medical education literature. There is general consensus that both System 1 reasoning, which can be thought of as pattern recognition, and System 2 reasoning, or analytical reasoning, occur in clinical decision-making. However, there are different opinions regarding the association between reasoning type and cognitive errors, as well as how applications of dual-process learning may be able to reduce or prevent errors. Modern Takes on This Theory Cross-Carry posits that most medical errors are a failure of cognitive reasoning and over-reliance on System 1 processes and cognitive biases that result. He suggests that clinicians should focus on reducing medical errors and cognitive biases and that physicians should make every effort to access System 2 to force analytical thinking in a hectic clinical environment. However, System 2 is a slower and often inefficient system. How does one increase the efficiency of System 2 and decrease the error rate of System 1? Crossgary believes that clinicians need to improve their ability to recognize patterns and be keenly aware when a scenario does not fit an established pattern. Daniel Kahneman, in Thinking Fast and Slow, argues that memory also holds the vast repertory of skills we have acquired in a lifetime of practice, which automatically produce adequate solutions to challenges as they arise, from walking around a large stone on the path to averting the incipient outburst of a customer. The acquisition of skills requires a regular environment, an adequate opportunity to practice, and rapid and unequivocal feedback about the correctness of thoughts and actions. When these conditions are fulfilled, skill eventually develops, and the intuitive judgments and choices that quickly come to mind will mostly be accurate. In accordance with dual process theory, many of today's undergraduate and graduate medical education programs focus on early patient encounters, analysis of clinical cases, and simulation. In a recent narrative review, the literature describing the relationship between System 1 and System 2 processing, called Type 1 and Type 2 in this article, and reasoning errors is examined, and two theories regarding errors are explored. Firstly, all errors originate from heuristics employed in System 1 reasoning and not corrected by the application of System 2 reasoning. And secondly, that errors arise from both processes and errors may be reduced by increasing knowledge. The authors conclude that errors can arise from both types of processing, and they do not find evidence to support that errors can be reduced by training physicians to recognize bias, or warning them to slow down, or try to force system two reasoning. However, there is some evidence that reorganizing knowledge and addressing knowledge gaps may decrease diagnostic error. Here are some other examples of where this theory could apply. Outside of the clinical setting, dual process theory can be applied to learner performance on simulated cases in written or computer exams, oral presentations, and low or high fidelity scenarios. In the clinical setting, educators should be aware that learners likely use both types of processing, and exploring diagnostic reasoning strategies may give insight to knowledge gaps. Addressing these gaps may reduce the possibility for error. Establishing evidence-based clinical pathways may help reduce errors by encouraging adherence to guidelines 
and decreasing the risk of error due to knowledge gaps. Kahneman stated, the way to block errors that originate in System 1 is simple in principle. Recognize the signs that you're in a cognitive minefield, slow down, and ask reinforcement from System 2. Although the simplicity of this principle is appealing, recognizing that one is in a minefield and slowing down in the chaotic clinical environment of the emergency department is likely to prove challenging. Further, it's not clear that forced analytical reasoning reduces errors or improves performance. There may be other benefits to teaching learners how to incorporate checks and balances into their clinical routine, particularly in the form of checklists and evidence-based guidelines. As our understanding of how dual-process reasoning theory can be applied to teaching and assessing clinical reasoning, improving performance and error reduction, further educational applications may emerge. Limitations of this theory. Dual process reasoning can be thought of as a general framework by which one may approach various problems of cognition, either in medical education or in other areas that require problem solving and the complexities of human thought. While the theory can be incorporated the way that we analyze physician performance, how medical trainees integrate new information, and why errors occur, it should not be considered the only available lens. While much insight can be gained from considering the dual process system, other theories may provide additional clarity in certain scenarios. Educational theories allow us to approach issues from a variety of angles and should be thought of as synergistic rather than exclusive of each other. The true depths of human cognition will never be amenable to incorporation into a single, simplified theory. The paper by Evans and Stanovich in 2013 summarizes multiple limitations of dual-process reasoning into themes. They review existing and at times conflicting definitions of dual-process reasoning and describe how researchers attempt to create clusters of attributes associated with each system have not provided consensus, consistent across all accompanying theories. Although single-theory explanations of dual-process reasoning have been proposed, there may be limitations in dichotomizing a process that may represent more of a continuum. Further, the applications of dual-process reasoning are controversial, particularly when considering the complex relationship of processing strategy to cognitive errors. Returning to the case. Case of the day! Jason was really good with System 1 decision-making in cases that were familiar to him, but lacked the experience necessary for System 1 decision-making to be consistently effective. He also struggled with applying System 2 decision-making when cases didn't fit a pattern familiar to him. The faculty met with Jason to discuss his cognitive decision-making with him and develop strategies to get him to slow down and be more analytical. When a clinical presentation did not immediately fit an obvious pattern. However, given the evidence that slowing down alone may not improve diagnostic reasoning, he also embarked on a structured plan to remediate knowledge gaps. Since cognitive ease may improve analytical thinking, the residency leader should believe that Jason may have benefited from a low-stress and supportive environment. Simulation was ideal for this. Jason was placed on a remediation program that involved dedicated simulation time. Jason met weekly with the simulation division. 
whose faculty members exposed him to small tweaks of a clinical case to assess if he noticed the subtle differences in each variation of the case. Atypical cases were also incorporated to bolster Jason's experience base. Jason had his shifts paired with a well-seasoned, efficient senior resident, where he was not relied upon to optimize patient throughput and was able to digest each case. He also met with a faculty member to discuss a variety of clinical decision rules and illness scripts. Finally, recognizing that knowledge gaps may be responsible for cognitive errors, regardless of the processing system applied, the residency leadership worked with Jason to develop a plan for identifying and remediating knowledge gaps. An ongoing self-directed learning to improve his foundational understanding of what differentiates and how to approach common emergency medicine presentations.